Relying on someone who doesn't know you or your situation to give you specific financial advice is just plain dumb. That's why everything said on this show is just helpful information. If you want specifics, give us a call. All opinions expressed here are ours. GenWealth Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Coming up on today's Get Ready for the Future show, the upcoming presidential election. We're almost a year out now, and voters are starting to pay attention. If that's you, and it has you a little worried, we're here to push the pause button. The truth about politics and your finances. Straight ahead on the Get Ready for the Future show. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Welcome in. Happy Saturday all across the state of Arkansas. We are glad to have you once again on the Get Ready for the Future show. Hopefully fall is still coming. We're not really sure about that, as hot as it's been in recent weeks. But we are in the middle of football season, as we just mentioned a moment ago. The campaign season now about a year out from the presidential election. A lot of people starting to pay attention to that. There's a lot going on, and we're here to filter it for you. As always, we're here to educate, encourage, and motivate you through to your financial goals and retirement goals. My name's Scott Inman. Teresa Arago to my left. Good morning, Good morning to you. Good morning. You ready to roll? I am. You mentioned that about the heat. I told my husband, I'm worried we're not going to get a fall this year because Arkansas will do this every once in a while. It's like super hot and then it's like freezing the next Mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. It does happen. You know uh, what? And John and Janet are here to my right. Welcome to you as well. (laughs) Sorry. Thanks. Let me say welcome before before Teresa and I go off on a tangent. (laughs) Ned Permy used to always say that the first weekend of the state fair, we would get a cold blast of air. So we're closing in on that pretty fast. That's a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah. out, right? Isn't it? I think it's a couple of weeks out. Mm-hmm. Well, we got we got a hint of it. Janet and I and, and Chad Roller from our team were on uh, on a uh, business trip to South Bend, Indiana. We had the opportunity to do some executive education at the University of Notre Dame. Wow! And it was it was a little cool up there in the mornings. It got yeah, it warm. Was. It, it was. got warm in the afternoon and and what have you. But uh, I think it's trying to sneak its way down. So at some point in time, hopefully, we will uh, be able. Able to to encounter cooler weather. Yeah, well, it was a, a it's a little cooler today, especially in in northwest Arkansas, mm-hmm. where the Razorbacks try to win two in a row. So we'll be uh, up there, of course, uh, watching that game and and talking about that game. But we're talking about uh, the campaign today. Now, when we say we're going to kind of get into politics, we're not really getting into politics, right? We're not going to talk about. Uh, how you should vote, right? That first of all, yeah. we're not, we're not going to tell that you how to do that. That is not our expertise. That, that's your choice. But I think there's a really good opportunity here, and, and we may have to do it more than once in the next year or so, to talk really about the truth when it comes to your finances and how they might be potentially impacted by the nation's choice in president or who is in the as far as the party in power in Washington. Well, I think it was interesting on this trip, Janet, that we made to South Bend, Indiana, that actually is the hometown of one of the Democratic presidential candidates. The the mayor. Yeah, the mayor of uh, South Bend, Pete Buttigieg, uh, is the... I'm sorry, what's that again? Yeah, it's... uh, (laughs) yeah. That's why they call him Mayor Pete on the the campaign trail. But I found it interesting in talking to people that were from South been they were like yeah Uh (laughs) that was it (laughs) that's encouraging i mean he's he's made a big deal in the media and and first one thing then the other but uh in talking to the people i talked to in south bend they were like eh yeah, I don't hear much about that. Yeah, we don't care. You know, you saw no signs, no nothing. It was just like it was a non-event. So uh, sometimes perspective is an interesting thing when it comes to politics. That's not the guy with the freedom dividend, is it? No. Which one is that? I'm not sure. I can't keep up with freedom that. There's dividend? too many of them. Oh, yeah. It's too early in the game. Yeah, there, there is a campaign promise out there. And as we get into the campaign promises, uh, generally, there is one guy out there who's promising a freedom dividend for people, which is oh. a check. I mean, they're yeah. just going to get a check. But He's calling it a freedom dividend. I don't know what the dividend's paid from. Yeah. Well, I do. Yes, you it's do. From us. It's, it's from us. Right. I'm paying yeah. my yes. own dividends. Yeah. I didn't know that we were paying Myself. dividends <laughs> on taxpayer money. But, you know, you do hear it every year. Medicare obviously gets talked about. Social Security gets talked about and should be being talked about, quite frankly. And then there's always the, the taxes uh, that are talked about. I know Elizabeth Warren has the, um, what is she calling it? 
Is it just the wealth tax? Is that what it is? Yeah, that's, 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 that's what it is. It's and, pretty and, straightforward, at least. I'll give and it that. all of it is is in competition with the Green New Deal. Yes, and, and so yes. and I just scratch my head sometimes. But anyway, so we said we weren't going to talk politics. No, those well, are facts. <laughs> that was factual information. That's what they're talking about. But all of these campaign promises can get people a little worried, and I think there are people out there when it comes to their investments where they want to pull back the reins on risk. I mean, we saw that happen in a very compact time frame in the 2016 election. Mm-hmm. The market generally expected Hillary Clinton to win the presidency. And when it was a surprise at the end of the night, the futures of the market went down considerably and then all of a sudden went, oh, well, we kind of like that, and then we're going to go back up. So yeah. it, it, the emotional reaction on an individual basis, guys, can be really huge when it comes to fear about change. Well, I can tell you that that uh, one of the things that is interesting about politics and the markets is the market seems to do best when there is gridlock in Washington. When you right. have yeah. one, uh, when you have balance, yes. When you have one side of the of the of Congress uh, uh, opposite of the other, uh, there's right. some polarity there, as we studied about at <laughs> yeah. Notre Dame. Uh, there is a, sort of this opposite uh, pull on either side, and the market really likes that. I think because they go, well, they just can't screw anything up we, yeah. we have we have stasis we have you know a calm period here where nothing's really going to get done and we kind of like that because that's you know that's an area where we can actually know what the future looks like and, and can thrive in that or if they do get something done it's going to be less extreme yes right it's not yeah, going to get yeah. pulled one way or the other so what are the actual numbers so i went online and i found how the s&p 500 this is interesting has done on the last uh during the last five presidential terms okay and i'm going to put the years with this because i think that impacts it too i don't want the raw number uh swaying any thought process about this so we're going to go back to reagan under president reagan who was there for eight years the s&p 500 during that his term went up 118 percent that included Black Monday in the middle of that. If you remember that, yeah. they lost lost twenty two percent in the late eighties in the, on one day. But the overall performance of the S and P five hundred was up one hundred and eighteen percent during his eight year term. Yep. George H W Bush was only there four years, and he was obviously presided over the uh, Gulf War, the first Gulf War. S and P five hundred still went up fifty one percent in that four year time frame. In President Clinton's eight-year run, which included the tech boom, the dot-com boom, 210% over an eight-year run. George W. is the loser here as far as the S&P 500 goes. Of course, he obviously presided over some tumultuous times in the United States. Mm -hmm. 9-11, war on terror, the Great Recession, financial crisis. The S&P was actually down 40% during his eight-year term. Now, I didn't put Obama in there. I missed him. (laughs) Hang on a second. You can Google it right now. Yes. I'm going to have to pull that well, back I, up. While, while you're doing that, uh, President Trump at this point in time is up 29% yes. on a, on a uh, point-to-point basis. Yeah, yeah. point-to-point three-year basis. And that all these are calculated on a point-to-point basis. Mm-hmm. Your experience during that time might have been good or might have been bad, depending on right. when you got in. All right. I found, I found President Obama now 182% in the positive uh, during his eight years in office. Now, he ov- he obviously got the uh, benefit of being at market lows when he <laughs> took office. I was like, didn't he come right? into office at a time when it was pretty low Yeah, already? but that's yeah. still, I mean, it just goes to show you, and the point is, over the last six presidencies, five of those six were positive, and we had mm-hmm. Democrats and Republicans in office during that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, you know, again, a lot of this has absolutely nothing to do with who's in the White House, but it does have something to do with who gets in the White House at what time right. in the business cycle and things of that nature. You know, when you think about, you know, Bush, he got in at, at a, a very tumultuous time, right. and it just, you know, nothing could go right, it, it seemed like, and not necessarily, you know, connected to his presidency or anything, but it just was how things were occurring. And then the Obama thing, as we've pointed out, is where you know he came in at, at a at a pretty big low and didn't have a whole lot of place to go but up. I think a lot of people underestimate the emotional impact yes. that people's actions have on the market overall. You know, people can make the wrong decision at the wrong time for the wrong reason when they're scared. You're right. How campaign promises affect your finances. That's the topic of today's Get Ready for the Future show. We've got to take a break and we'll be back in just a moment. 
more straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money right after the break. Stick around. I'd be rich. Do you worry about retiring? How much is enough? Can I achieve my retirement goals? Hi, I'm Scott Inman for Genwell Financial Advisors, and we've been helping Arkansans retire for 14 years. Get answers in less time than it takes to check social media. Visit 15minuteretirement.com, and we'll gather some information, analyze your success rate, and provide the coaching for any needed changes. Type 15minuteretirement.com to get started on your 15-minute retirement checkup today. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Investments and economics move at the speed of light. And we've got the latest information you need to know to stay ahead of the game. From Genwell Financial Advisors, it's the fastest four minutes in investing. Thanks for joining us on social media for the fastest four minutes in investing and on the Get Ready for the Future show, where, John, we're talking today a lot about politics and campaign promises and how that may or may not affect your finances, what you should do. Certainly, policy does play a part, and we've been in an about-face when it comes to interest rates over the last year. I mean, this time last year, we were talking about rates going up, right? Yep. Well, we they've been going down ever since the last quarter of 2018, and in some places in this world, they are even negative. Now, I want you to talk to me about what a negative yield is and what that really has to do with us here on the domestic side in the United States. Well, so first thing first is there is 17 trillion with a T dollars invested around the world earning negative interest rates. Wow. Now, why would anybody uh, want to earn a negative interest rate? What that literally means is that you take a dollar to the bank and you might get 98 cents back. And it's almost like you're paying for the privilege of parking your money at the bank. Now, this isn't happening in the United States. It's happening overseas. And what this is causing is it's actually causing a lot of money to come into the United States to be invested in treasuries because we actually are paying interest on the treasuries. So if you can think about this, of course, supply and demand actually is driving down interest rates because, you know, all that money's out there. We don't have to pay as much to basically get the debt that we need or the income that we need from that debt, we have to pay. We only have to pay a, a lower amount of interest when all the rest of the world is negative. And so it's really interesting that, that this is going on. And, you know, and, and even Donald Trump has said that the Fed needs to cut rates to zero or less. Now, I don't have any idea why he would do that, uh, but that is, that is a tweet that he's put out there. But negative interest rates are a, a not, not a, a new phenomenon. It has happened before, but it does really say that people had rather earn less on the money than take even more risk in their mind by investing it in things that they might not get their money back. And so it's just a really interesting uh, phenomenon that's going on right now across the globe. And negative interest rates uh, could be a, a push for the interest rates in America to actually go lower. Of course, this week, the Fed cut interest rates by a quarter percentage point, and they are expected to cut by another quarter before the end of the year. That would put the, the Fed fund rate at around 1%, and 1% may be the new normal for a while as the rest of the world is struggling with this whole issue of negative interest rates. And so, uh, Scott, I don't know what has to happen to change that, but you would think that at some point in time, investors into the debt markets would go, I'm thinking that we're getting a bad deal here. Mm -hmm. And so we may be in some new territory here, and I do think it does bear watching. And so it does say to, to us here at GenWealth that we want to keep a careful eye on the fixed income side of our portfolio. And it does make equities, and especially equities that pay dividends, a lot more attractive mm. because you are getting some yield from your investment, although you are taking a substantial amount more risk by investing in equities than you would be in bonds. Yeah, certainly even maybe from an alternative perspective too, there's some interest there because yes. the, the, the distributions that could happen there could be better than what fixed income or bonds are doing. It's called the search for income, and yeah. we're always searching for income because income is such a critical part of a retiree's portfolio. We're the watch out for it, but you can't be lured into things that are paying high interest because on the other side of that high interest may be high risk. Well, that's it for the fastest four minutes in investing for this week. Again, thanks for watching on social media and listening 
on the Get Ready for the Future show. The radio program begins, or continues, I should say, right after this. More wisdom from Arkansas's most listened to financial talk show is just around the corner after the break. Stay tuned. Education-driven. Strategy-based. Team-delivered. That's how we roll on the Get Ready for the Future show, and we're back for more. Make the money, don't let the money Taking you folks through the GenWealth Ready to Retire process. That's what we do as you walk into the retirement red zone. If you'd like to set an appointment at any time with a GenWealth Financial Advisor, there's two ways to do it. You can call this number, 501-653-7355, or you can email us at info at GetReadyForTheFuture.com. Either way, that gets us in contact with you. Anna Olive, who is our client introductory specialist, will give you a call and give you a list of items to bring and have you set up on your first complimentary, by the way, appointment with the Gen Wealth Advisor to just discuss your dreams, your goals, and where you are currently. Just take a snapshot of where you are now, and we can talk about from there whether it makes sense for us to build a plan for you, and you can walk through the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process at that point. Today, we're talking about politics in your finances, or more importantly, campaigns and campaign promises in your finances. We talked a little bit about in the first segment that generally, the, the, the macro view of this, as we walk into a presidential election and the unknown of who's going to be uh, in office at the beginning of 2021, when the inauguration happens, doesn't really greatly impact the overall performance of the stock market. Democrats or Republicans in office Five out of the last six times it has gone up significantly. The S&P 500 has. So when you talk about what could derail things or what could be blips on the radar, and that's really what we're talking about as we kind of go into the micro view of this, we did have a great discussion about a week and a half ago with Ryan Dietrich. Ryan was here. He is the uh, senior market strategist at LPL Financial, and he came in for a a one-night special event that we had uh, uh, dozens and dozens of people in the room for, and he talked about his market analysis and what his team is looking at. And John, there are things that you certainly need to be aware of that can make short-term differences in your finances. So we don't want to say that, you know, policy never makes a difference. It does, but you know, you can kind of be more tactical rather than strategic when it comes to those things. Yeah. And and if you just kind of look at the recent past changes in the tax law, yeah. obviously has uh, brought a lot of investment to the United States. Changes in interest rates have brought a lot of money into the United States. We're going to be talking about that on the fastest four minutes in investing and, and uh, on social media throughout the week. But, uh, you know, Scott, the, the thing is, is that if you create an environment, then you could have economic growth as a result of policy, but you've got to just create the environment. Mm-hmm. But it is not immune to the business cycle. And that's what mm-hmm. we try to educate people about here at GenWealth is that you are going to go through the business cycle. And and you could say that the business cycle has been elongated a little bit, Janet, by the things that happened as uh, the Trump administration took over the, the tax law changes, the policy right. regulation changes, and and things of that nature. But, you know, as long as I've been in the uh, financial industry, which is over 30 years now, there has always been, and I've always been trained by some of the experts in the industry to say that a business cycle is somewhere between seven and 10 years, and you're going to have ebbs and flows in the economy. Well, and when we talk about the the, the markets, you know, at, when you look at bull markets and, and bear markets and the time periods and that type of thing, we've said so many times on the air that bull markets, markets do not die of old age. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, we've got to go through this whole business cycle and everything, but we still don't see in terms of the market turning the other direction, we don't see that the fundamentals are in place for it to begin to to really turn the other direction. So, again, we come back to what is the impact of it being an election year, regardless of who is running, regardless of what they are saying, what we find is that it brings volatility because there are so many questions about, well, this candidate said this. Is that going to, you know, mm-hmm. you remember the no new taxes deal? That was part of, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's a very strong memory for my generation. And think about the impact that, you know, whatever the statements are from the candidates, it's going to have an impact on the market because the market's going, is that really going to happen? Is that where we're going to be? And then when the market finally gets an answer, we see a little bit more stability at that point. Well, I think it's important to point out that that regardless of all the noise, it is 
folly to try to time the market. Yes. And that's why we have put together the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process because it doesn't try to time the market. Mm -hmm. It actually looks at how the market performs and tries to basically take what the defense is giving you if you want to use a football term. Sure. Uh, and, and that is how we have arranged uh, both the the uh, income for life model and the ready to retire process to take advantage of those things. And sometimes, Teresa, that uh, requires a shift in thinking because we're so conditioned to be responsive to the mm-hmm. market and, and returns and things of that nature. That's the key to a plan and why we're so passionate about it and having a strategy in place. When your emotions control your decisions, they're right. almost always going to be the wrong decisions. And if you'll have conviction in your plan, if you've got one, if you don't have one, get one. Um, but if you've got a plan, then just follow it. We, you know, we've seen time and time again where people pulled out in times of volatility and went to cash because they were scared. And then when they get back in, they've missed that opportunity for growth if they get back in at all. Um, that you know, you've got to have that strategy in place so that you can control your emotions. I want to circle back real quickly before uh, we get too far removed from it that, Ryan, we are going to let you hear some of what mm-hmm. he had to say about the 2020 election coming up in the next segment. So certainly stay tuned for that. We will give you a little uh, highlight from that big event. So what you guys are telling me, you know, they say, what's the famous line? It's the economy, stupid, when it comes yep. to yeah. the election. <laughs> it is about time. It's not about timing. Right. Mm-hmm. It, timing the market is one thing, but using time when John talks about taking what the defense gives you using time based on historical averages is what you should be thinking about when you when you're creating your long term investment plan. And for most of us who are still 20 plus years out from retirement, that's a long time horizon. Yes. And, and, and I'm looking forward to some of that volatility personally. I'm yeah. not at the cusp of retirement. So for me, that volatility is a gift. It gives me the chance to buy some shares at a discount in my plans. But for those that are nearing retirement, that time is not your friend necessarily. That mm-hmm. volatility is not your friend. You've got to have a strategy to make sure that what you've acquired and that you've worked so hard for is ready to be used for you in retirement. And Scott, that's why we actually uh, have embraced the cow story. I would love to say that we invented the cow story. We really <laughs> didn't, but uh, we've embraced the cow story as an educational piece. It is a great analogy of dollar cost averaging, which is a technique of, of investing money in the markets uh, on a consistent basis and catching some of it when it's high and some of it when it's low and buying more shares when the market is down and fewer shares when the market is up. And it is really just almost counterintuitive to everything that you hear. And that this is why we believe that education is so important, mm-hmm. because you can be led astray by the talking heads on TV that are constantly yammering about what's going on here and what's going on there. Well, and also the emotions, you know, Teresa, you were talking about the emotions a moment ago, but the emotions of even looking at your statement. When when we have a volatile market, if you are in that accumulation phase, you have to remember which column is more important. Mm-hmm. And it is the column that shows you how many shares you have, not the current value. You're not retiring tomorrow. So give that current value some time and focus on accumulating more shares of whatever the investment is. And I get it. The, the, the peer pressure, if you will, to look at that number and yeah. react to that number yeah. is huge. It, it really is because everything you hear is driven by how much money you're making and how much, you know, and all of this. And, and it is a perspective thing that oftentimes gets lost. Yes. And perspective is such a powerful thing when you're learning how to manage money and, and learning how to invest money that if you don't have the right perspective, it can really do damage to your portfolio. How many people had the wrong perspective in 2008 mm-hmm. and pulled oh, money yeah. out of the market at the bottom of the market? And this is the most extreme example of recent memory right. that I can think of that they just capitulated. They said they tapped out and said, okay, I'm done. I can't take this anymore. And mm-hmm. as soon as they did that, the market turned around and yeah. started going back up and really hasn't quit going up since. And John, frankly, we saw people 
people who stayed in cash for as long as a decade. I mean, we, we, we would keep getting to the point where we thought, okay, we've seen the last one that's still in cash. Uh, no, we haven't. No. We've seen the last one still in cash. Well, no, we haven't. I will say I haven't seen one in a while, but I don't know that I'm still willing to say, you know, that we've seen the last one that was still sitting in cash from, from the burn of 2008. But look at what they've missed mm-hmm. because they've let that fear make their decision on how to invest. Now, let me give a counterpoint here because somebody would would out there listening to this might say, well, you just think, it, it, you know, just hang on and it'll all come back and everything will be fine. And that you're not the one watching the statement go down. No, we understand that. Mm-hmm. And, and the key is, especially in retirement, is that if you have properly aligned your assets, then you have somewhere in the three to five years of cash or cash equivalents are very, very low risk investments that allow you to draw income from your portfolio and allow the time for your portfolio to to actually uh, rebound. Because as we know, Janet, time heals most all the wounds that you can get in the stock market. Absolutely. And, and let's just take a moment to talk about diversification in a different way than most people think about it. Mm-hmm. Most people think, okay, I don't want to own all Walmart stock or all Amazon or whatever. So they need diversification in terms of the different types of investments. You need diversification in terms of time of when you're mm-hmm. going to utilize those investments and that's really what we're talking about we're just you know it's not that you need to be all in on growth oriented investments or all out and sitting in cash you need diversification in that as well and well, even it, before you do that you got to make sure your required income's taken care of yes. the things that you've got to pay every month wouldn't you want that to come from a source that's coming every month too and I think people have been uh, deluded into thinking that you do have to be all in in growth investments because the S&P 500, which is made up mm-hmm. of large cap growth stocks, has been on such a tear. And there is a thought process out there, Scott, and not one that has, I think, some validity that says that we're in a bubble on the S&P 500 and because there is so much money going into it that it is creating risk. As a matter of fact, the person that called the financial crisis in 2008 is calling that that we are having a bubble in the S&P 500 and it is likely to be ruinous to those people that are putting so much money into index funds. And certainly the S&P 500 is not the market. I think it gets labeled that yes. because it, that's just the way we define it. Heck, we did it in the first segment today, right? We talked about the S&P 500's performance under each of the last six mm-hmm. presidential it's terms. It's just easier. Yeah, yeah. but, it, but it's, it's just 500 out of what, 6,000 now equities out there, maybe even more than that that are available. So certainly there's a opportunity outside of that benchmark. So once again, on the other side of the break, we're going to give you a little bit of a taste of the night with Ryan Dietrich that we had about a week and a half ago at the Crown Plaza in Little Rock. Ryan's going to, we're picking the section of his uh, hour plus long evening uh, that he talked about the 2020 election. He talks about the trade war, different topics surrounding uh, today's headlines. And that's coming up on the other side of the break with Ryan. And then we're back for the final segment on the Get Ready for the Future show. So we hope you'll stay with us back right after this. Don't miss a minute of the Get Ready for the Future show. Look for our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or visit getreadyforthefuture.com slash radio. We'll be right back. Do you have a burning question? Email info at getreadyforthefuture.com with your name, location, and question to get a response on the air from the Gen Wealth team. Now, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. On September 12th, Gen Wealth Financial Advisors hosted an evening with Ryan Dietrich at the Crown Plaza in Little Rock. Ryan, as you may know, is a frequent guest of the Get Ready for the Future show, and he is also the senior market strategist for LPL Financial. He and his team of more than 50 analysts spend their days researching and analyzing data relative to the markets and the overall economy. LPL Financial, incidentally, is our broker-dealer partner at GenWealth. So the research and the data that Ryan and his team provide is utilized when we build our clients' portfolios and when we provide ongoing management of those portfolios. So coming up now on the Get Ready for the Future show, we're going to play you a few highlights from that event. We've chosen some interesting information that Ryan relayed about the upcoming election, opportunities for investment in 2020, and what to make of all of this trade war talk. Here now is a small sample from an evening with Ryan Dietrich. Next question is from Bert. (coughs) 
Okay, you mentioned earlier that uh, our country is divided, and I agree with it. I, I, I think that our country is more divided than I've ever seen it right now. And some of the things you've talked about so far are very positive about the outlook, but we're going to an election year next year. So what do you think that the impact of you know having such a div- divisive between the two parties, the impact that's going to have on the market? Yeah, so the question, I mean, if everybody could hear that, but just how divided we are, what, what does it all mean? Um, there's something when you look at how Congress is made up, and we talked about this in our mid or in our outlook a year ago. In November, we had midterm elections. Congress is split, right? The House Republican, I'm sorry, the House is Democrat, sorry, and uh, Republicans have the Senate. Markets tend to do the best, and the economy, GDP and stock market tend to do the best under a split Congress. Why is that? Well, how our four founders wanted it. Kind of checks and balances, not too much power one way or the other. You could argue maybe because you can't get anything done necessarily, but maybe sometimes that's actually a good thing. So we, we talked about that coming into this year. Also, it is an election year. This is year three of the presidential cycle. The pre-election year is the lingo we like to use. Guys, the pre-election year has not been down for stocks since World War II. We talked about this at LPL Research. You know, why is that? Well, it doesn't, it's not about Republican, not about Democrat. It's about getting reelected. You do certain things to get the economy going before the election, get the stock market up so people are happy. And that's exactly kind of what we think is kind of playing out here. Um, and again, why we think a potential trade resolution is 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 likely. But, you know, I'm with you. I mean, I, I've been doing this for about 22 years. And I, I honestly, the politic questions, policy questions, I never used to get those. Yeah, really. I mean, we never got now. It's a big part of how we talk about the world and everyone wants to get into it. So it is absolutely a divisive country, I think, is where we are. But from an investments point of view, stocks tend to go up under Republican presidents and stocks tend to go up under Democratic presidents. And the best time stocks do it is when you have a split Congress. So, you know, I know this stuff on TV, but just be aware that that tends to be scenarios. So for your investments, uh, just be be very aware of that. Right, we've talked a little bit about politics. Let's look ahead at the 2020 election. You're going to get me in trouble now, John. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, can the market predict who the next president is going to be? You'd be surprised. Think back to 2016, for instance. What we saw, the Dow had a record nine day not a record, but one of the longest losing streaks in history. Nine straight days of losses. Copper had 14, a record 14-day win streak directly ahead of the election. What happened? Everyone expected Hillary Clinton to win. We all know President Trump won. Now, markets tend to be weak, John, when there's a change in leadership. And this is what I'm showing here. And I know it's kind of hard to see this, but I'll walk you through it. If the S&P 500 is down the three months before an election, you tend to have a new leadership in Washington because markets are skittish. If the S&P 500 is higher the three months before the election, that, impending, that party that's already in power tends to win. It's happened every single time since 1980s, and 20 of the last 23 times. If stocks are down, new party tends to win. If stocks are up, the party in power tends to win. So um, if, you know, depending on which side of the aisle you're on, you, know, you can start watching stocks as we start getting closer to this election. And if stocks are selling off hard, that could be a sign, okay, maybe. And why do stocks sell off in front of a new election? Well, it's just new leadership, right? Markets hate uncertainty, so you kind of want to wait to see what the new president's policies are going to be. And that's probably the way it was. We'll talk about copper, a 14-day win streak ahead of the um, last election. That was based on potentially some of President Trump's policies, which are supposed to help uh, copper. The other thing, so that's that. Stocks can, it looks like, potentially do it. It's sometimes as simple as what the economy's doing. We took a look. If you do not have a recession two years before an election, the last 11 times, that president won. The last four times we had a recession, the president lost. Think about that. If there's not a recession before this election, history would say, potentially, President Trump will win. If we fall into a recession sometime before this next election, history would say, President Trump will probably lose. So there can, it's never black and white, but these things, you know, history does repeat, like Mark Twain told us. So we're actively watching some of those things um, as well. It's kind of interesting, you know, market history. So let's stay in 2020, next year. We've we've obviously, or you've obviously established for us here that uh, we are in the late stages, 
of the economic cycle, but there's still maybe some upside potential there. So let's dive into maybe some opportunities for folks in 2020. What sectors do you and the folks at LPL like? I mean, just the fact that, you know, first off, again, I stress you guys are in very, very good hands. But the fact that you're all here, we're willing to learn and, and trying to plan. So we manage on my team about $30 billion of your money, of LPL Advisors' money. And what are we doing with that money? Well, we like the cyclicals, financials, industrials, technology. Okay, We think that we're not going to have a recession, as I've kind of laid out. We think this cycle does have more time. When we looked at rate cuts, when the Fed's cutting rates, like I talked about you know, maybe a half hour ago or so, what sectors tend to do the best a year after initial rate cuts? Take a wild guess. Industrials, technology, absolutely, and financials. Um, so it's kind of unique because you think you're cutting rates. Potentially, that should hurt financials, but it's kind of funny. When the Fed cuts rates initially, the yield curve tends to steepen. I know I'm getting a little geeky here, but just trust me. Those cyclicals do pretty well when the Fed cuts rates. So those are the areas that we do like. Now, you mentioned utilities. You know, we, we haven't liked utilities, and boy, oh boy, I guess I wish we would have. Um, but, you know, when it comes to where, where we are underinvested in, more of the defensive names, utilities, um, real estate and healthcare. We've warmed a little bit on real estate. Um, th- those are kind of how we're looking at the world. We like emerging markets, as I just laid out. We do not like developed markets um, relative to how we're putting building the portfolios of models that we run. But overall, you know, again, I, I talked about in the beginning, S&P is not up that much the last 20 months. The last 20 years, the S&P is up 6% annualized. Okay, what in the world does that mean? Guys, that's one of the lowest numbers we've seen in the last 100 years. Really, think about it. Last 20 years ago, it was 1999. Stocks were doing really well. We had two 50% corrections as we all lived through. We had a horrible decade in the, I guess, what do you call it, the aughts? I think you call it the aughts. Uh, you know, last decade. And after you see that, you can have multiple decades of potential gains. We're one decade into this. We do think, yeah, it's a 10-year cycle, but you know, we've had two bear markets in essence. 2011, stocks pulled back about 20%. And then the fourth quarter, they pulled back about 20%. 20% is what we call a bear market. We didn't quite get there, but you know, it's close enough for government work in our opinion. And we've really reset a lot of the fears. And that's kind of how markets do flow. So we like the cyclicals, uh, don't like the defensives as much, and like emerging markets, how we're positioning our models. Going back to the uh, trade war and the tariff, what's the best thing we're doing in that scenario? What's the worst thing we're doing? Huh, that's a good question. So the question is, you know, what's the best thing we're doing about the trade war, worst thing we're doing about the trade war? Um, You know, I think the fact that we continue to talk face-to-face is positive. You know, China's coming to, to Washington here, I guess, next month. Um, it's, you know, both sides are so stubborn. I mean, to be honest, you think about China, their president's in charge for life. President Xi is apparently the Chinese president for life. So he probably isn't as um, (coughs) eager to make a deal as President Trump would be. But when you see 27-year lows in their GDP, you got to think they're having more pressure there. Now, what's the worst part about the trade war? Maybe the thing that aggravates probably all of us in the room you know, a random tweet. You know, a couple of Fridays ago, one tweet comes out and S&P sells off 3%. I mean, that that catches people off guard and that's a little aggravating, but it is what it is. And it's kind of the world that we live in now. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword, I guess, you know, kind of how, how we're going with how the news is leaked. And it's like every day it feels like, the thing that's aggravating too is every day it's like, okay, what's going on with the China trade war? You can have good economic data, good retail data, um, consumer spending, maybe some positive news out of, out of China or out of Europe, whatever it might be that day. But if some negative happened on the trade front with rumors and things like that, I mean, the Dow was at an all-time high today. And then someone on CNBC came in and said something kind of negative about what he'd heard about trade. And then we sold off on that. So that's kind of clearly very aggravating. But you talk about volatility for a second. We were having five and 600-point swings last month. The media love I – do, I do this for a living because I go on TV and talk to these guys. They love to point out 500-point moves. On a percentage basis, a 500-point move is nothing like it was 15 years ago, right? I mean, I, I know recently we had, I think it was the four, last month in August, we had the fourth largest point drop ever for the Dow last month in one day. It was, like I think, down five or 600 points approximately. It came, I looked at the numbers. It was actually a 342nd largest percentage drop, down about 3%. So believe me, 3% drop is a big deal. But to say it's the fourth largest or fourth worst day ever 
or is it the 342nd worst day ever? So just be aware when you hear point swings versus percentage, you got to look at it from a percentage basis too, or really that's how we should look at it. But it's just kind of how things um, how things go. So all this volatility with trade, it's aggravating from my point of view, as it worries you guys rightfully so when they talk about, oh, Dow down 500. Oh, it's a lot, but it's 500 is nothing like it was when the Dow was at 10,000, you know, I guess what, 20 years ago. You've been listening to a small sample from a special event that Gen Wealth Advisors held on September 12th at the Crown Plaza in Little Rock entitled An Evening with Ryan Dietrich. Ryan, once again, is the senior market strategist for LPL Financial. He and his team of more than 50 analysts spend their days researching and analyzing data relative to the markets and overall economy. Ryan is also frequently a guest on this program, and you can join him again with us in another month or so in the month of October. And speaking of October, that event that we just had with Ryan a couple of weeks ago is one of many that we provide with our Gen Wealth Academy workshops. And there are three coming up for you to attend that are absolutely free and there, I'm going to tell you about those now. The Social Security Workshop is coming up very soon on October 15th at 6.30 at the Benton Event Center. And there is also one entitled The Three Big Risks to Your Retirement on October 22nd at 6.30 at the Little Rock Crown Plaza. And another Social Security event at Mike's Place in Conway on October 29th at 6.30. You can go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com to register. We're back with the program in just a moment. Education-driven, strategy-based, team-delivered. That's how we roll on the Get Ready for the Future show. And we'll be right back. Did you know there are a ton of financial resources on GetReadyForTheFuture.com? No? Well, bookmark that page for later because the Get Ready for the Future show is back. So I'm not sure if you can tell over the radio. It certainly sounds like my voice is struggling a little bit today. I've been struggling with a sinus infection the last week or so, and I, I don't know if it's because I've been talking a lot or not because I was doing the math, guys. I presented five or was part of five workshops in a seven-day span. Wow. <laughs> so I, maybe that's part of the reason well, my voice is struggling. that's what you get for being an overachiever. Yeah, I mean, we've been, well. <laughs> you have always talked. It just talked. shows up on my calendar. I don't, yeah. I don't know how that happens. No, You've always yeah. talked for a living. <laughs> I have done that. But we've been all over the place. I mean, yeah. we were in Hot yeah. Springs earlier this week. We, we, we mentioned the, the Ryan Dietrich uh, event, which you just heard a little bit of in the previous segment. Uh, we were in North Little Rock. Mm-hmm. We've been at the Little Rock Fire Department recently doing some uh in-house workshops for those guys. It's been really fun to see, uh, but it's been a busy September and we are loading up for October as well. Three Gen Wealth Academy workshops just around the corner. If you haven't been, and I've gotten, I've grown accustomed to saying this at the beginning, I, I ask folks to raise their hand if it's their first uh, time attending a Gen Wealth Academy workshop because I want to know who is experiencing it for the first time and who might need to uh, have expectations set, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and, and and here's that over the radio. The expectation of attending a Gen Wealth Academy workshop is we're not there to sell you anything. We're not going to talk about specific investment products. We are there to educate, encourage, and motivate. And there's always a topic associated with a workshop. The next one is on Social Security. It's coming up October 15th at 630, and that one's at the Benton Event Center. I don't know that we've done one at the Benton Event Center, have uh, we? I don't think we, it's been a we while. Have, have we? Uh, like after they first, first built open. it. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's been a while, but all the folks in Saline County, if uh, you've been going, well, I'd go to one of those workshops mm-hmm. if they were out here. Well, here's now your opportunity. Prove it. Come yeah. on out. <laughs> uh, Stephanie Smith, our Social Security uh, resident uh, guru, is going to be there and uh, going to be talking with us about uh, all of the things that you need to know about Social Security. So if you are close to retirement, If you're wondering about Social Security, wondering if it's going to be there for you, wondering how you can take advantage of it, you need to be at that workshop. It is coming up on October 15th, 630 at the Benton Event Center. You can go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash events and register there. Also, bookmark on your calendar, Three Big Risk is coming back to the Little Rock Crown Plaza on October 22nd at 630. And then uh, Social Security is making its way to Conway, Mike's Place in Conway, October 20th. 29th at 6.30. I know that's a bit far out, Scott, but uh, for folks that are heading into a very busy time of the year, they might want to go ahead and get those on their calendar because Social Security workshops are are very popular. Uh, we have a ton of folks show up at those things, and Three Big Risk is also a popular workshop. October 22nd at the Crown Plaza at 6.30 for Three Big Risk. Social Security, October 15th at 6.30 at the Benton Event Center. 
Social Security at Mike's Place in Conway, October 29th, again at 630. Yeah, if you didn't catch all that, just go to the website, getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash events. If you're retiring at the end of the year, boy, this is really great timing for you. Just a couple of months out from when you may be uh, walking away from work, get everything you need to know. I would suggest attending both Social Security and the Three Big Risks because they both go together. We talk an awful lot about uh, Social Security uh, as part of our overall Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process. And and we, we've we talked a little bit about the investment side of that. But when you figure how Social Security plays in to your overall plan, it's because we start with a plan that revolves around providing you an income. It is a retirement income plan, and it is all about, Teresa, finding consistent income over your full retirement. Well, it's a dynamic shift that happens in retirement. When you're working, you have that paycheck coming in consistently and hopefully you're budgeting so that that's plenty to cover your expenses. But in retirement, you still need a paycheck. You still need to pay your bills. Your light bill doesn't get less, probably goes up a little because you're home more. Right. So you've got to plan for those regular dependable expenses with regular dependable income. We use a house analogy, and you've probably heard it before on the broadcast, but I I always really identify personally with the house analogy because Mm -hmm. I built my house about 13 plus years ago now, back in 2006, and I actually was the general contractor on the house. My dad was part of that with me because he understood concrete foundation work. He had done that in most of his career, so he knew how to build a strong foundation. And I'll never forget, we had a slab foundation and we built built uh, concrete blocks up from what was going to become our walkout basement. And he began filling those concrete blocks with concrete. And, and, and that was obviously solidifying the security of that uh, foundation. And he put more in that. He told the concrete pump truck guy put more in that than the Plans showed, which all I heard was cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. That was going to be be more expensive. I was the one paying the bill, but I said, Dad, do we need to go above and beyond what the plan says? And he said, son, you don't understand. If you don't get this right, nothing else is going to matter. And it is so Mm -hmm. true in a house, and it is so true in retirement. If you don't get the foundation set right, nothing else on your retirement plan is going to matter. It is the most important discussion that we have with our clients when they come in to uh, talk about retirement is getting that number right. And not, not just mm-hmm. getting the the net number right, but getting the gross number right. Yeah. Uh, meaning that, you know, if you come in and you say, well, my budget says I need $5,000 a month, that means you need 5,000 spendable dollars a month, right. not 5,000 phantom dollars uh, that have not been taxed yet. And then you get a net check that's a lot less than that because that doesn't work at the grocery store. You know what we find in having that conversation though so many times is that people have no idea how much money they spend every month. Mm -hmm. That's right. Because we have gotten in general, and I know there are still people who do this, but in general, we have gotten past the time of ever, ever, ever balancing a checkbook. Mm -hmm. And so the money goes in. Heaven forbid doing a budget. Yeah. So the money (laughs) goes in because you get you get automatic deposits. Mm -hmm. So you actually don't even physically see a paycheck anymore. It just goes in. If it was wrong, you wouldn't know it nine times out of ten mm-hmm. unless it was way wrong. Okay, so your money goes in. You've got all of these automatic drafts coming out. You don't know how much your utility bill is because it fluctuates a little bit. and You don't even know what the ballpark figure is because it just automatically comes out. And the list goes on and on. And so people don't really know anymore what they're spending. Guys, if we don't know what we're solving for, we can't solve it. Mm-hmm. You just got to pay attention. And and I'm not saying you have to get down deep in the weeds. Don't do that because what will happen is you'll get overwhelmed in the details and you just won't do it. That is human nature, okay? Mm-hmm. But you do need to have a concept of how much money you're spending. Now, this doesn't include what you're putting into savings or what you're putting into retirement each month, but how much money are you living on month in and month out? You need to know that answer so we can help you plan appropriately for your retirement income. And then we begin the gap analysis once we have that number because we have to meet that foundational, we call it required income with guaranteed predictable monthly income on the other side of that, because it's never okay if there's $3,000 going out every month and only $2,000 coming in guaranteed. And think about that in light of what we're talking about here, campaign promises and presidential elections and tumultuous times in the economy. 
you need to know that your bills are going to be paid in retirement. Yes, the volatility becomes an issue when you're relying on market performance to pay your monthly bills. And that's why having a plan that takes care of that first and then takes care of the rest, whether, you know, whether we're talking about inflation adjustments and things like that. Right. After we've taken care of it, my mom always said, do the most important thing first. Mm-hmm. Make sure you do the most important thing first and protect your guaranteed income need in retirement. Absolutely. And I think you've got to, to do that by uh, analyzing what that budget looks like, what that income need looks like. Look at Social Security because almost everybody's going to have a Social Security check. Subtract that off of that number and then look at what the difference is and say, okay, how am I going to fill that difference? That's what we call the gap. That is the difference between the required income and the determined, uh, I'm sorry, the determined income and the required expenses that you have in retirement. And so we go through that process with you here at GenWealth and try to help you to figure out the best way to create regular, predictable, dependable income that does last throughout your retirement, because that is critically important. But the other thing, Scott, is that you've got to be sure that that income adjusts upward as Mm -hmm. time goes on, because we know that even in a low inflation environment, prices continue to go up. And 10 years down the road, you're going to be behind the eight ball as far as spending power is concerned. And that's why you have to continue to believe in equities, because portion of your overall investments, even in retirement, still needs to be growth oriented to Mm -hmm. provide for those inflation raises. Because what we know historically is that the only asset classes that have outperformed inflation are equities and real estate. Well, John used the word budget a minute ago. And I I kind of liken what we do with people's strategies in retirement with the income for life model to a little bit of budgeting, not necessarily dollar budgeting, but time budgeting. Mm. When are you going to need the money and what investment makes sense for that timeline? Mm -hmm. If you don't need the money for 20 years, then it can sit in equities and it can take that volatility and use it to grow. But if you need it tomorrow, you don't want to take that risk. But you sure don't want to take all of it and put it safe because then you get no growth. Right. It's that time diversification that we talked Mm -hmm. about earlier in the show. It's just absolutely necessary for you to have it in your retirement plan. So if you're out there listening, frankly, I feel like we've given given you little tidbits of a very big detailed Mm -hmm. picture uh, for retirement planning. And uh, if I were sitting in your shoes, I I would want to know, all right, what do I do with this? And what you need to do with it is get your own personalized plan, Mm -hmm. because that's the only way it makes sense, is when you have the personal application for how does this work for me? So, John, how do they do that? Well, let me point out before I say how you do that, that that this is the age of the cookie cutter financial solution. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get a cookie cutter financial solution at GenWealth. You're going to get a very highly detailed, customized solution to you and your situation and your dynamics in your life and your retirement and what have you. And it is a very high touch experience. And so understand that this isn't just, oh, we've got this process and we throw everybody in this process. This process is very, very flexible and very, you know, customizable to your situation. And you get that by picking up the phone and giving us a call at 501-653-7355. Or you can go to info, info at getreadyforthefuture.com. Anna Olive, our new client introduction specialist, is going to to reach out to you either way and talk with you about the process and then help you get started with your Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process. I feel like you kind of did my job for me right there, but I appreciate it. Helping you along here, brother. We are out of time on today's Get Ready for the Future show. Thanks for listening. We're back next week. The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 844-869-PLAN. The Get Ready for the Future show is a production of Gen Wealth Financial Advisors and opinions expressed are not those of this radio station and are for general information only. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Gen Wealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIP. We'll